Being in a rock band for 23 years has allowed me VIP access to music's underbelly. It's sometimes confusing being on the inside of an industry commissioned by default to provide the world with harmony and melody, when I often look around and see nothing but rats and snakes. Since it's really the only industry I've ever really been in, it is all I know. I'm sure it's the same in every industry, maybe even worse. But there's an added layer of slime to the music industry because it's constantly playing around and tampering with the fragility of people's dreams. I've watched bands go down in flames and watched people get eaten up by music's claws. It's not pretty. It's hard to watch. Granted, you get your usual cavalcade of weirdos, head cases, freaks, nonconformists, free spirits, and crackpots lured to the purse of music. Can't say I don't fall into one or all categories, but an additional distinction rife in the world of rock and roll is the self-important wannabe alpha beta male, strutting around like a peacock, but coming off as nothing more than a pinhead. My God, the amount of rotten testosterone in the world of rock is nothing short of comical. In the real world, most would call these types assholes, but in rock, they're often allowed to roam around and occasionally be celebrated. You can bottle their self-importance and sell it as fertilizer. It's enough to turn you off of rock. I'm sure many have left the fold due to run-ins with this kind of foolishness. Over the years, I've had to grow a thick skin and develop an immunity to their insolence in order to stay in the game, suspend my disbelief, and trudge on while leading with rock and roll on my shield. I have to be honest, sometimes it's been embarrassing and disheartening. However, what keeps me going is the other side of the coin, the people you meet that remind you why you wanted in this world so badly. The noble lone wolf, the charming mad scientist, the magnetic misfit. These archetypes have been idealized and the ones that came closest are always lionized. Lemmy, Jimmy, and Keith, respectively. When I meet someone who resembles these representations, I am immediately drawn to them, feel comfortable around them. It's happened many, many times over. Often, they've ended up on this podcast. It's one of the reasons why I reached out to singer-guitarist Damon Johnson to be on this episode. I met Damon Johnson two summers ago when we played the Rock the Ring Festival in Hinwil, Switzerland, and it was easily the best day of that entire summer for all of us. We had a blast playing alongside Cheap Trick, John Fogarty, Bonnie Tyler, and of course, the Black Star Riders. It had been a long time coming where mutual friends already assumed Ricky Warwick and I were close friends, but when the two bands finally met, it was an instant camaraderie. I still tell the story of that day to people whenever the Black Star Riders' name gets brought up. Damon couldn't have been more friendly and welcoming, and it was obvious to me that I needed to have him eventually on my podcast. Damon Johnson, in case you've been living under a rock, has a musical resume that is both extensive and impressive. From his beginnings in Brother Kane and the three albums that band put out, which brought Johnson international renown, to his stay in the Alice Cooper Band and onward to Thin Lizzy and eventually the Black Star Riders, it seems Johnson can do no wrong, as if anything he lays his hands on gets a boost. 
Johnson has written songs for Sammy Hagar, Stevie Nicks, Ted Nugent, Queensryche, and Carlos Santana. Basically, the guy is a dude. Now, Damon Johnson has entered a new phase in his musical career. His solo album, Memoirs of an Uprising, is out now via Double Dragon Records and sees Damon riding this solo wave without a net of any other band. When I found out that Damon was going to be at NAMM this past January, I messaged him and asked if he'd be into being on the podcast. Even though NAMM can be a whirlwind of chaos and bedlam, I managed to find him, steal him away, for this podcast and chat it up. Catching up with Damon turned out to be quite a significant moment since he had so freshly left Black Star Riders to go solo. I hadn't even caught wind of it before we started recording. Watching someone so musically well-equipped as Damon charge out on their own, about to take on the world, is inspiring and exciting. I'm glad I have this podcast to live through these moments with people and to capture it. So sit back and listen to this, or, or rather, listen to it on the edge of your seat and let Damon's enthusiasm inspire you. Thanks to all who have left a comment or left a rating on iTunes. And don't forget, this podcast is now on Spotify, so subscribe to it there as well, if that's easier for you. All right, here we go. Brother Damon Johnson, the dude is on this podcast episode, and it starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Tango's go out to love for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from fucked up. Stop playing Hangs out. What do you see in my future? What are you reading and bones? She paused for a while, flashing alligator smile, and she told me Danko Joe. You're about to listen to the greatest podcast on the net. It's the official Danko Jones podcast. Get ready for your host, Danko Jones. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. This is crazy, we're doing it here, but we found peace and quiet at NAM, which is not easy to do. Well, you were telling me this is your first time here, right? So, uh, yeah, peace and quiet does not exist here, so this is like a gold mine we've discovered. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You turn a corner and oh, NAM goes away. I've been here for a few hours now, and I've, I've gotten my fill. You're saying you hit a wall with NAM eventually? Yeah, you hit a wall pretty quick. Um, you know, I mean, you, I, I sense that you're similar to me. You know, you come and you've got people you've planned to see, things you need to take care of and get that done. And everything is, the, the distance between each booth or each exhibit, you know, man, in the blink of an eye, four or five hours can blow by and, and you're like, hang on, I need to get some food. I'm about to pass out. I haven't eaten lunch. See what I mean? <laughs> I, I walked up some stairs and I 
why am I like so winded and yeah, dude. I feel dizzy because you haven't eaten. I'm gonna have to dig a protein bar out of my bag and give it to you. I got Greg. one. I got one here. All right. Well, I just don't. haven't had time to even take it out. Yeah, yeah. So you're out here. You have a new album coming out, solo album, and am I correct? Did I read right that Black Star Writers are going into the studio tomorrow? Yeah, they're going in the studio tomorrow without me. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, man, those guys are my brothers. And I'm so grateful for how, first of all, I'm grateful for the experience and uh, the music that we made, you know, writing songs with Ricky Warwick. Really, man, is at the heart of this next chapter of my life. Ricky kind of, he kind of awakened a sleeping giant within me is kind of how I feel. Because, you know, I don't know how familiar you were with my old band, Brother Kane. You know, we were fairly popular in Canada back in the 90s. We got a lot of radio support up there. But when that band broke up in 2000, I think I had this sense of like, okay, well, that was my shot. You know, we didn't, you know, maybe it didn't happen because of me. Maybe I'm not a good enough singer. Maybe the songs could have been better. Then I got some, out of nowhere, some cool opportunities to play guitar for some people that I loved and respected, like Alice Cooper, mm -hmm. played with John Waite for a while. But, uh, you know, and then I got the Thin Lizzy opportunity, which was like a dream. You know, I, that's just not even something I would have thought possible. And, um, you know, again, man, you snap your fingers and 10 years is just gone, poof. Mm -hmm. So, last year, I just like this switch turned in my head I says you know what I think I want to just focus on my solo music play all the music from my past from all these great things I've been a part of but more importantly I've, I got stuff to say I have a way to say it now you know I live in Nashville and I've got some great friends there that have you know this guy's got a studio that I can record in and then this guy can help me with the mix and you know and not charge me what it would cost if I came to Los Angeles to make a record or to Toronto or New York or wherever so I'm really fired up, man, about that whole kind of DIY thing. And, um, you know, I produced my new record myself and uh, recorded all the vocals at home and a lot, of the, a lot of the guitar bits I did at home as well. So, you know, it was, uh, it was bittersweet moving on from Black Star Writers because, again, those guys are family to me. And Wait a minute, you're, you've moved on from the band? Completely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Oh, they, oh. Yeah, they have um, they have a great player in the band now that you may know. His name is Christian Martucci. He plays with Stone Sour. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, he and Ricky have been, you know, writing a, writing a bunch of songs. And I just saw Robbie, uh, bass player, mm -hmm. saw him last night. We spent some time together. And so yeah, man, they're gonna soldier on. And you know, Ricky said it best when we did our final shows together back in December, you know. He, every night he'd say it over the microphone. He'd say, you know, we're thankful to Damon for helping us get this thing started. And, you know, when you're in a band, man, it really requires your full attention. And um, for me, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've been in bands. I've played four other people. And I have a couple... I have five kids. Uh, three of them are all functioning adults, thankfully. But, you know, I, I got two young ones at home, and I want to be around more for them. So, but it's funny, you know, it's like I've even seen people here at the NAMM show. They go, hey, man, well, we're glad you're kind of taking it easy. And like, no, well, hang on. I'm not taking anything easy. I'm working harder now <laughs> than, yeah, than ever. I mean, but I have a little more control over my calendar. And, um, 
you know, I really want to work more again in North America. I haven't really been able to, to do as much work here. For the last seven years since I joined Thin Lizzy, everything is, has really been in Europe. And, uh, you know, man, look, I'm grateful they were great. You know, they're grateful to have anybody's, any band, any artist is fortunate to have a following anywhere. And we definitely have that over there. But, um, you know, I guess the short answer really, man, is I'm just ready to, to, to sing my truth and sing my songs and see what I can do, man. See what I can, see how great the songs can become if I really focus on it. And uh, Did that come from the tours you did with Ricky when it was just you and Ricky? Those were definitely a lot of fun, Tanko, you know. Um, you know, we would just go out on acoustic guitar yeah. and we would play... In almost three hours, you know, we're just playing songs from both of our back catalogs and, you know, plenty of Black Star Riders, plenty of Thin Lizzy. And, um, you know, a lot of reaction from people, you know, and, and, and Ricky was really gracious with the mic. He wanted me to sing as many songs as he was. And, um, you know, I think that at the heart, that really was something that benefited our songwriting is when we would sit down to write songs, I wasn't coming into it as his lead guitar player I was thinking like a singer as well paying attention to the lyric listening to the melody and then kind of putting the guitar inside of that um, there's no doubt those acoustic shows I think influenced my thinking a lot that's pretty intuitive of you to ask that because I haven't even really thought about that hmm. until you just said that so. well I'm just kind of trying to put the pieces together what led you to now putting your own solo album I thought it was a solo album within Blackstone that right? will yeah that will work in tandem well, it started out like that, Danko. Um, I mean, in a way, man, this is almost my first proper solo record. I'd put out a couple of acoustic things over the years just for fun. And uh, three years ago, I made a five-song EP that uh, turned out really well. And maybe there was a little seed planted there, like, all right, mm -hmm. you know, it's fun to get back behind the mic. And again, man, when I saw you guys, and I saw you up there, man, three-piece, singing, playing, big sound rocking out you can play hard rock festivals you can play pop festivals you can play metal festivals mm -hmm. what you do fits because the songs are so great yeah that, i think there's a that's kind of a cool blueprint that i that i oh wow really want to follow you know i that day was hands down the best day we had all year oh really we were the last people out of there that day Really? Yeah, all the bands had left, and we were just still hanging out with the staff. Right, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Cheap Trick was there that day, right? Yeah, Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler. She was so great, oh, man. man, it was so good. And then uh, John Fogarty. Yeah. Of course. Legend. Yeah. Legend. And then meeting you guys, we were the first band to get there, too. So when I saw the layout of backstage, and you guys were right beside us, I was like... We're gonna fucking meet Black Star Riders because I saw you guys on the lineup, but you know you never know. Sometimes you never meet the sure, bands happens all the time. All the time, and you're like, "Fuck, I've been wanting to meet them, but can't get to them." And we were right beside each other. There's no fucking way we're not gonna be hanging out with them, man. That's like that's what I was. And then when you guys came in, it's that's always a crapshoot. Never met you guys, although through the grapevine I'd heard Ricky was was really cool and had said some nice things about us. Yes. So I knew that was a, a cool olive branch, but um, when you guys came, you guys were so nice. It was, it was awesome. And Cheap Trick were so nice too. You're the man. best, man. Holy shit. Well, you know something, that's, that's, that's great that you're 
bringing that up, you know, because right there, Cheap Trick is another example of, look, man, you can have a life in music. You really can. You can have a, your whole life. Uh, you can raise kids and support your family doing what you love if you work hard and, and do good work. You know, you got you still got to write great songs, man. It's, it's all always about the songs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think I maybe I'd still be a part of Black Star Writers if we could have moved the needle a little more in North America. Um, I, I, I understand you know, that. I understand. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And it wasn't for trying and it wasn't. Um, it's just one of those, I guess, indefinable things. Uh, like, why couldn't it have happened more? I, who knows, man? You know, rock music in, in, in America, man, is really in a funky spot. Rock lives in Europe. Yeah, it definitely lives in Europe. The first time we came over there, I, I saw the crowds, and they were wearing rock T-shirts. Nobody wears rock T-shirts in Canada at the time in in 01. Yeah. And that's when I realized, oh, and then you had the Scandinavian rock revival and that spurred everybody. And so bands like Black Star Riders, like us, it makes sense. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't understand why America isn't that way, too. I don't have the answer either, brother. I don't get it. Um, you know, there's music fans in North America have so much thrown at them. You know, uh, Euro- Europeans don't have to contend with country music. You know that that's it's not so huge. that's not a format yeah. that that is really exposed to them. They they can go looking for it and yeah. find it, but you know, there's not the infrastructure. That's for a it. real good point. That I think country music is not on my radar either. Right. So I'm always going. Why aren't you guys in a rock? Well, we're gonna go see carrie underwood and yeah. garth brooks you know yeah. and and you go and the place is sold out there's thirty thousand yeah. people and that's a lot of that's a lot of potential fans that could be into yeah. your rock music or you know whatever but i'm in canada there's a whole country music scene oh, yeah. i have no idea of well man i this is a good time for me to jump in and talk about how much i love canada uh, you know, the music fans up there, to me, showed more diversity than they even did in America when I first went up there in the 90s. I mean, they've so embraced Brother Kane. Um, and, you know, I, I remember touring up there and playing the big markets, the small markets, and just feeling like, well, hey, man, this is a place I'll come and play forever. And other than the few times I went back up there with Alice Cooper, you know, eight or ten years ago, I really haven't been able to go back. So, uh Fingers crossed, man. I, I definitely would love to to get back to the great white north and <laughs> play some rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, we have a different experience just because we're from there. So I don't think Canadians recognize their own until you've gotten cred from an outside source, mainly UK or America. Got it. And then they come back and they happened so many times well do you i mean is there this phenomenon that because you guys are you know reaching a lot of people in europe is it are, are people back home paying attention and going no, oh we get up? hey what happened to you guys <laughs> like, well we've been on tour man trying to do what every band sets out to do which is tour the world the fallout of that is you forget you get forgotten in your in your home oh, yeah. country. You definitely got to stay present. And, you know, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Um, 
you know, man, it makes me think of the the success that Black Star Riders has had in the UK, especially. And you know, credit to our manager and credit to all the guys in the band. It's like we put in the time, we invested that, but that meant we weren't in North America, mm-hmm. we weren't in South America. We, you know, obviously it's a, it's a giant world. There's plenty of places to play. Yeah, America's like 50 countries to me. Right. Well, it kind of is, especially when you're, you know, if you're just looking at Scandinavia, or you're looking at Eastern Europe. Yeah, it is. It's really huge. But, um, you know, this, you, we're talking right now at an exciting time for me. There's so much that I don't know. But I do know that, you know, if I can just kind of connect the dots in some common sense, practical ways, work hard, just get out there and start playing, man. I think that there's an opportunity for me to at least just be Damon Johnson for the next, you know, for the next 20 years and grow that so that... You know, when I am 65, and there's a lot of 65-year-old dudes out there still touring. They're out there. Yeah, they're right out here at the NAMM <laughs> show right now, shaking hands with the Gibson guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I won't have to get on a plane and, and have to go to some foreign c- country and tour for seven weeks just to get, you know, just to find some work. I love going, I love playing over there, man. The UK fans are just, like you said, they're, they're, they believe in it. They, they nurture it. They, they live it, and they want it. And they. But there's no crowd that's bigger, big enough to uh, drown out, you know, the yearning of wanting to be near your family. There's Bro, no a, crowd big. Danko, I'm gonna quote you on that. That's you just said that poetically. That's that's excellent, man. It's true though. I understand. And I, yeah, and. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that that's the first thing I ever talk about is my family. So it's never been a question of like what my real priorities are. But there is no doubt now that I kind of hit my limit with being away from them as much as I had been. I just, I just kind of hit the wall. You know, I saw my, my buddy that, you know, that plays guitar with another band. I haven't seen him in a while. He didn't know either. You know, he's like, oh, so you're not doing yeah. that anymore. And I told him, and I just said, yeah, man, I've, I've just had enough of being away from them for that long. I like I understand. Last night I finally saw you know that band Agnostic Front? Yeah. They Showtime put out a documentary or they aired their documentary called Godfathers of Hardcore. <coughs> and I, I'm a Agnostic Front fan. The singer has a family and a lot of the documentary centered around he has to leave his two young kids. And he has an older, grown-up kid who's probably like, I think she was like 25, 29. And she was talking about when she was their age, and now he doesn't want to repeat what he did with her. And there's a lot of stuff. You should check it out. You, I, there's a bro, lot. That I'm you going would, straight to find that. Yeah, it's called Godfathers of Hardcore. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, they play a different kind of music, and they tour a lot in Europe. Yeah. And... You can see the pain in his face. Well, you know, look, the, the, the other challenge is there's no easy fix to that. There's no solution to it. I mean, you know, we tried to be kind of selective and like, well, okay, let's try to go out and just do three weeks at a time and then Ricky's, come home. Ricky's got kids. Of too. course. Yeah. Ricky, Ricky has, a, has a daughter, same age as mine at home. Robbie's got kids. Chad has kids. So, um, 
but then it gets into the practicalities, you know, the economics of it. It's like, well, hey, if we're going to spend the money and fly everybody over there and kind of get the whole wheel rolling, we need to take advantage of that and work as much as we can because, you know, it gets really cost ineffective to be flying back and forth from America to London, you know. Mm-hmm. It just it starts chewing up your... It doesn't make sense financially, and I get that too. You know, that's 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 no one's fault. But I mean, this is all you get. I'm getting into the minutia that you know maybe maybe the average fan is like, what is he talking about? Who cares about that? <coughs> but this is this is the shit that I would, as a fan, would want. I want to know the inner workings of how a band really really does it. And to me, you know, big marquee bands. Like we tour, we you've you've tour, we've all toured with big huge bands, and you've been with big huge bands and Alice Cooper and stuff. You see how they roll, and if you're opening for these kind of stadium tours, you see, I I remember we were on a stadium tour, and I saw the band members. Each band member had a bus, and on the bus had their family if they had one, and they had their own world to each bus, and I just remember going. Fuck, man. That's the fucking dream right there, yeah. bro. And that's the dream. Then you can tour forever, you That's know? the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. I'm, um, you know, man, there's, there's a bunch of bands in America. I guess now with the way music has gotten so compartmentalized, some of them, I guess, would be called jam bands. Um, you know, Warren Haynes is such a great guitar player. And, you know, he's always had his band Government Mule. Mm-hmm played so long in the Allman Brothers and he does his own solo stuff as well but you know he and his wife they 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 run their little business together you know she manages him they roll as a family you know they have kids and man I just think that's the life look it's not easy if it were easy everybody'd be doing it you know but it goes back to what you said a minute ago it's really about what your priorities are and just the passage of time man is, uh, as we get older, time just moves faster. That's what it feels <laughs> like to me. So true. <laughs> you know, you know, and uh, man, I'm so proud of my son Gabriel. He's 14. Uh, by the way, he's a hockey player, which I know means a lot to my Canadian friends. Because uh, you know, he's from he he was born in Alabama, and you know now oh, we live okay. now we live in Tennessee. That's hockey, a big deal. Yeah, man. hockey's not on everybody's radar, but <laughs> yep. he's now in his fifth year and. You know, no aspirations to like play in college or anything like that. But he loves it so much, and man, there's nothing that makes me happier than to you know work at home all day, writing, taking care of some business. He comes home from school, we get some food, and he and I load up and go to hockey practice or go to his game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I get euphoric in that, man. And you know, he's he's only going to be there for like four more years, and then he'll be gone. He'll be gone, and there's no getting that time back, man. So I'm. Really I happy. hear you. I hear you. I'm really happy right now. And, you know, the good news is, is like I said in the beginning of this, man, I, I've never felt more inspired. I've never had more to say. Um, I feel like I sort of swallowed some magic pill. Um, you know, lyrics were always really, really tough for me. And now all of a sudden, I don't seem to have as many obstacles in front of me. You know, if I've got a good melody, got a little arrangement going, I know that I just have to discipline, sit down, shut off the phone and and just do the work man figure out a way to say what i what i want to say mm-hmm. if the melody and the arrangement is there to me that's sort of that's the that's the voodoo that's what you need to set the you know set the foundation for it lyrics is just hard work 
but it can be done and I and they seem to be coming a lot faster for me now that's good that's good like <clears throat> for me I, I uh, yeah lyrics come I think at the end usually yeah. and it's all the way till the morning I have to lay down the vocals in the recording studio wow I, I'm just always changing it and changing it someone I heard a story about Don Henley and someone was a runner they had to deliver something to Don Henley's house and they had to walk through to the back and no one was there but a stack of papers so he kind of casually he knew it was Don Henley's place so he kind of just looked at the stack of papers and it was a, I can't remember the song but it was off one of his solo albums like Boys of Summer or something yeah. and he just kind of looked oh no no then a wind came by and all the papers the stack of papers came all over the backyard he kept picking it up and he looked at the papers and every paper it was the same lyrics for the song but there would be like one word changed like he's just constantly like revising and revising but that's brilliant right there man because you know what that is that's just the ditch digging work that it takes to write lyrics that's really a great idea because what he's probably doing is, is he's forcing himself to rewrite everything that he's already written. It gives you another chance to go, is that really the line I want? Is that line good enough? <coughs> we need the time to do that. And luckily for this album of ours, we, I got the time. Right. And I heard that story while I was writing lyrics. And I go, I'm kind, not on that level, but I'm kind of doing that. I've got it all done, and I had it done before we even hit the studio, but like you're saying, I was zoning in on every line, well, every word. i got to sing this, possibly, forever. Forever. How, important, how much gravity, then, does that give to how important these lyrics are, man? You know, um, Again, I think of Ricky. Ricky's so good at it, man. He's so good at lyrics. And I've seen him do a similar thing to what you just described, that Henley story. Um, you know, it'd probably be on his iPad, but he'll he'll just rewrite it. I mean, I've seen him throw stuff away. Like a whole sheet of lyrics, you know, that I would read and be like, wow, something's going on there, man, that's great. And he just, eh. And he just trash it all. And I think there's something kind of upper level pro about that, where it's like, look, man, it, it's just the work. You know, they're just words. You know, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to throw it away. Don't be afraid to start over as long as that discipline is there to get it done. Well, I'm, I live currently in, in a situation where there's some songs that we have to play where I don't really like the verse or the one line in the song. And I got to sing it because that's part of the song now. <laughs> and I remember I just was scrambling, like trying to yeah. do it before the, the clock ran out and we had to be kicked out of the studio. And that's forever now. Well, I have a similar story kind of is that, you know, I'm, now that I'm doing so many dates as, as just a solo artist, you know, I'm revisiting some of my old catalog from Brother Kane. And some of those songs really stand up and some of them don't. You know, maybe the riff was great, and my band would be like, hey, man, let's learn that song. And I'd go, okay, let's work it up. And then i get back inside the lyric, and I was like, oh, fuck, man. How, how did I let that one go? You know, I, should, I could have beat that, and I didn't. You know, yeah. so like you say, yeah, yeah. you're stuck with it. Stuck with it. <laughs> it's funny, too, because you, <clears throat> you do it for long. You stay in the game long enough, and what follows you is stuff that you did when you were, like, 10, 20 years younger, and it's like, I'm not that person anymore. And no, 
we don't get to see everybody's 20-year-old self, you know, just everybody, but everybody gets to, if you're a musician and you're playing, you get to see what you were thinking in it, how unsmart you were forever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just through lyrics, I mean, I'm talking lyrics. Yeah, man, that makes me think of David Bowie right there, you know, <laughs> after, after Bowie passed away, I kind of put myself through a, a re you know, restudying him and kind of going back to the very beginning. And, you know, man, that guy's evolution is unparalleled. And he covered so much territory, almost like a genre shifter. He just, mm -hmm. like no one else. But he had that commitment to, to the art. Um, maybe that's part of it, too. Danko, you know, I, I just look at it as art. I used to just look at it as guitar riffs. Like, I don't care what the lyrics say. I just want it to rock out. Well, the lyrics are kind of really important, <laughs> you know. And once I, you know, once I spent more time on that, and, you know, all it takes for me is to have one fan. I had one today. Came up. Man, that song you wrote on your acoustic record, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, man, that song... You know, he tells me this like heavy story about how it impacted him or inspired him and hey man, that's the drug we want. You know, that's the drug that we want to repeat right there. Because we have songs in our life by other artists that did that to us. Man, we have this incredible opportunity to do that, you know, for other people. What a life. What a what a feeling. It's true. I mean, um <clears throat> I try not to when someone comes up to me and says that I'm such a glasses half empty kind of guy. I'm like, what? What are my? No, come on. Come on, you're putting it on thick. Come on. But of course, for me, there's songs that I'm like, fuck, this just takes me back to immediately I'm 16 and I know exactly where I am. Well, I got to say, by the way, No Regrets does that for me, dude. I love your, I love your songs, man. Oh, thank so you. So many great songs. <laughs> thank you. Um, I think that's the thing I'm so motivated about with my new record, Danko, is I'm, I've never been more proud of the lyrics to 10 songs in, in my life. Um, not that I've written dozens of records with that much of my own lyrics, but um, I just want to try and write great songs, man. I'm grateful to be a good guitar player. Mm -hmm. You know, I said it to, uh, in an interview recently. It's like the guitar playing was always easy. I'm, I'm grateful for that, man. You know, it kind of came to me. I grew up, my dad plays guitar, so I was always around it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never had to practice. I mean, I, no one ever had to tell me to practice. I was always just playing, man. I loved it. Songwriting, singing, that's, that's more challenging. But I'm grateful that, you know, those lights kind of went off for me to... I just, I feel like I'm kind of starting off as a student of great songs, you know. I just went through a Joni Mitchell kick. Same like I mentioned the Bowie thing. I went right back to record one. I read her, that, that book that the guy wrote, Reckless Daughter, that came out last year. Incredible, man. And, you know, to, to just have that, um, just had that canvas to kind of study an artist and watch their path and, I mean, you know, she's just singing about her life, man. It's just right there. She sings about all her failed relationships, the, the great ones she's in at the moment, the regrets she has, the sadness she has. All right, let's go, dude. Shit, I want to start another record right now. You know, like, I get excited about that. That's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. You're also doing stuff with Tony Higby, right? Yeah, man, Tony. Um, Tony's playing in my band. Tony played on my record. And, uh, of course, Tony plays with Tom Kiefer as well. And he's got his own killer band. Uh, East, East, East Side, Side Gamblers. Gamblers. Yeah. And, um, <coughs> yeah, getting to know Tony was uh, was really cool. Um, we didn't really... My first recollection of genuinely talking to him directly was when he, he, he was at Guitar Center, you know, working. And I went in to buy something one day and... He just very boldly said, hey man, when you're ready to put Brother Kane together, you need to call me. I need to be your other guitar player. And I was kind of taken aback, like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? <laughs> like, I don't even know you. I'd much less have heard you play before. But, um, you know, he kept popping up and, and uh, he started playing with Tom Kiefer, who's great, and Tom's got great songs. And um, Tony reached out to me when he heard I was doing some some solo stuff. and. So uh, we just all got together in a room. You know, my drummer and my bass player are also from Nashville. And Tony just brings a lot of energy to my whole thing, man. Great background singer, very meticulous about parts. You know, he'll call me and say, hey, man, this sound you guys used on this song, and what is that? I want to replicate that. Man, I love that. That's so much attention to detail. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I appreciate that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I met him only recently, last May. They came down, him and Ace Von Johnson and yeah. Don Jameson. Yeah. They made a like a kind of a bro weekend of watching us in L.A. and, and uh, San Diego. So oh, we got to hang out a little bit. Well, I love all three of those guys, man. That's a... <laughs> Dude, talk about the three musketeers. Those are more like the three mouseketeers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like, so what are you guys here? You guys, we're here for you, man. Literally, we're just, it's a lost weekend of just hanging out they're just hanging out together and they used us as a reason to just hang out so that was kind of flattering and cool yeah and then tony sent me east side gamblers the ep yeah, man. and uh really i mean great guitar playing great songs yeah, man. yeah yeah so i saw a tweet whether it was from you or from him recently about you guys sharing a stage together much like you and ricky did right Isn't yeah well no tony you know tony's just in the band you know he's in my band and okay, and, and so i'm starting that's how it is. Okay. yeah yeah that's exactly how it is okay. uh, and i'm really lucky to have him um and we got a few dates coming up man we got two big nights in new york city next week we're gonna fly and play the iridium which is kind of a legendary jazz and blues club and they've started bringing in some rock acts as well so i'm i'm grateful for that and yeah, Danko, I hope, um, you know, my, my, my goals are really to, you know, I'd love to do 90 dates a year and, and you know, really get out there and hit it. And, uh, you know, I hope certainly that your fans will give it a chance and, and give it a listen. And um, this is great to talk to you at this moment because, uh, you know, I did a pledge music thing and those people already have the record, but it's truly getting released properly now tomorrow the first single will be on all the streaming sites that's awesome yeah man i'm so excited and uh i got a good little team of people i'm working with right there in nashville that are helping me they're rock and roll guys you know they're not country dudes and no. does nick Raskolenix live out there yeah man yeah he did one of our albums that's right that's yeah, right yeah, that's yeah. right well nick uh man nick gets uh <laughs> he gets a lot of credit i'm I was a fan of Nick's before I ever met him, just like anybody else that likes great rock records. He's been a part of so many. And we met randomly and on a total kind of fluke, 
Black Star Riders in a hurry needed a producer for our second record because the original plan had fallen through. And Nick's wife and my wife had become friends. And we didn't you know, like getting together. And, uh, you know, through his, through my wife and his wife, I just sent him a text. I was almost nervous. I said, hey, man, um, well, I got this band. And we're like, would you, you know, and he's like, yeah, dude, you got any songs? And so I started sending him songs. And thankfully, just the demos that Ricky and I had made on acoustic guitar was enough for him to start paying attention. So he did the Killer Instinct album, the Heavy Fire album. In between those two records is when I did that EP I told you about. Nick produced that. Nick gets a lot of credit, man, for what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. He uh, he knew about Brother Kane. There were a couple of those songs that he really liked. And he's like, hey, man, you got any songs? Come down here and you can use my place. And so, uh, yeah, I love Nick. Nick pushed me to produce this record. He didn't have the time. Ask, and yeah. he just, he said, look, man, I've made three records with you now. You know what to do. He said, I, he says, well, I love working about you working with you is you make it easy for me you know you're you're thinking about the arrangement and the sounds and uh this vocal needs we need to recut that line that kind of stuff he said just use my engineer he'll he'll take care of all the nerdy stuff like right. we need a different mic on that kick drum and stuff like that right. but i did hire nick to mix it so okay nick mixed. so he's still involved he's still involved man and i hope he's always involved man he's he's my brother we've just become like best friends and get together at Christmas very funny oh my god dude <laughs> we showed up for Christmas this year Danko you know my wife and kids his wife and kids some other families of you know with kids and so we go into their big kitchen and he's just got rat and loudness on stun volume you know in his Christmas apron making ribs and coleslaw and I'm just like fuck yes <laughs> I think we spent a whole day once Going back in the studio, going back and forth, and everything we said, we had to put a rat song title in the sentence. I believe that. I have no problem believing so that. I, I believe that. Story too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. This is great. This is a great chat, man. Fucking super quiet. Oh, we found the quietest place in Nam. No, nowhere, no place else on this property is this quiet. Nowhere. No, I, I promise you. Yeah, like Gibson's just. What ten feet away from us? Yeah, I can't believe some of these, some of the workers didn't come over here and say, "Hey, get the hell out of here!" No. Beat it, kids. <laughs> it's because we look pro. <laughs> we look uh, like we're, we know what we're doing. Yeah, these guys must be somebody. We shouldn't, shouldn't talk to them. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for hey, being. Hey, brother, thank you. And again, congrats on the new record. And tell your, tell you your boys I said what's up, and uh, I mean it, man. I hope we wind up on the same bill. Yeah, soon. that would be killer. Well, we'll make it happen. It's also very exciting to meet you at this moment in time, a day before everything just starts to explode. Well, I'm not expecting it explode, but it's definitely going to start, you know. Yeah, so I, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a good moment, man. Thank you. This yeah. is cool. Something's got me all shivering, shivering. I'm seeing double and I'm bending shapes. I'm having visions all trembling, trembling. Nodding off and I'm switching lanes And oh, it's unsettling I can tell I'm out of range